Welcome to the Honey Drop, your all-access pass to the Hamilton Honey Badgers. I'm Andrew Damlin, and today's guest is some homegrown talent from Burlington, Ontario via Lafia, Nigeria. He is the point guard slash two guard for the Honey Badgers. His name is Caleb Agata. Caleb, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, man. My pleasure. And the goal of this podcast is to kind of go along the journey of everyone who's come through Hamilton. And I know you're playing at home and you're loving it. But the, the end journey is certainly not the Honey Badgers, but it's definitely a stepping stone people use to sometimes propel themselves all the way to the NBA. So we, I appreciate you coming on and, and going along the journey uh, a little bit with us. So like I said, you're, you're born in Lafayette, Nigeria. You spend the mm-hmm. first six years there. Then you move over with your mom and your sister to Burlington, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Is there, between being in Nigeria or Burlington, is there a first vivid basketball memory you have, whether it was over in Africa or here in North America? Uh, zero basketball memory. Uh, basketball actually started when I came to Canada, um, probably between the ages of six to eight years old, just getting dropped off at the local Ron Edwards YMCA in Burlington, actually. Um, so I've done a lot of interviews about that. So it's good to kind of mention the Ron Edwards YMCA and people might understand what I'm talking about. So, All right. I Now, are you a poker player? No, no poker. Okay, so that it doesn't matter. There's just a mm-hmm. saying in poker that might apply to you. There's a saying that the best thing in poker is winning at poker. The second best thing in poker is losing at poker. It's kind of like a sick saying where you enjoy basketball so much, obviously, when you win. But in interviews I've heard you do, it seems like you almost enjoy failing as much as, as winning because it gives you this opportunity to, to, to be better. Is there any truth to that? Like, where did that sort of mentality come from where you really thrive off the failure rather than it being a detriment to you? Um, I think failure is just an opportunity to get better. I think more is actually gained through failure than winning. Um, I don't even know where I kind of adopted this type of mentality from. I feel like it's always just been something that's a part of me um especially maybe for my mom also like we've had a very difficult life obviously coming from Nigeria so we face a lot of adversity um and sometimes that adversity comes in the form of just failure you know and you don't just give up from that adversity you learn from it you grow from it and then it gives you an ob- another opportunity to to show what you're really made of so um failure is just nothing it's nothing new to me and it's not it's definitely not a thing that I, I'm afraid of or or don't welcome you know so it's just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's failure is just, it, for me, it's just failure, just another opportunity to be better. You've talked a lot about your relationship with your mom, how she never wanted you to take on basketball as a really serious vocation. She wanted to make sure your grades were good. So you stayed in sports and she never was truly supportive, even, even as you were showing out in, at the University of Ottawa. Um, but at the same time, you, you credit her so much for that work ethic you have. And you never, what you always say is no matter where you were in your basketball career, you were always working so hard. But my question to you is between you and your mom, who has a better work ethic? Oh, come on. You know, I can't pick me, man. <laughs> you know, I can't say that. Um, so it, it's my mom for sure. Cause uh, just honestly uh, living in Burlington, uh, her coming, she actually was in Canada two years before me and my sister. So she had to kind of build a foundation to prepare for me and my sister to kind of enter and walk into. And she did that. 
And ever since we got here, I just seen nothing but hard work and sacrifice. So my mom definitely wins that battle 10 out of 10 times. An easy answer. Fair enough. Um, so as you continue along your journey, you go to Assumption uh, High School in Burlington and you said your team was trash. You said you were trash. You said you, can't, you were barely coming off the bench. You were at the end of the bench type of player. And another thing you said is you were asked, what would current Caleb tell old Caleb um, as, to, as to how you would act? And you said, I would tell old, I would tell young Caleb to relax. Now, yeah. given that, what's grade nine Caleb on the basketball court? You know, you're not playing much in like high school games. So I guess you're playing in scrimmages and maybe at the YMCA or on the playground. What's like Caleb Agata, 13, 14 year old basketball player and personality on the court? Uh, he probably is just somebody who really doesn't know what he's doing, to be honest. Uh, somebody who's just, you know, kind of learning the game um, and just uh, adapting the best way he could, but who's just definitely there because of the love for, you know, physical activity at a young age. Um, I just really like to move. I really like to play all types of sports at that age and basketball probably wasn't even my best sport at the time. I, I played uh, like football. Actually, so um, I had a big football. I just had a, my, my friend group that I uh, was in at the time. We really, really liked football. So that was my main. And then basketball was just made available like every weekend through the YMCA program. So that's probably what I played consistently. Um, but at 13, 14, Caleb probably didn't really know too much about basketball, but he just enjoyed it and uh, enjoyed the time he, he spent on the basketball court. So you work your butt off trying to make a career out of basketball. That's what you sort of were set on. You went to Assumption. You played rep ball in grade 10, 11, uh, grade 12. You went to Blessed Sacrament. You said you didn't have much success. You were a winning team, but didn't win a championship. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually you go to the University of Ottawa. You get uh, all these recruiting calls and your mom's like, keep your grades up. And you, yeah. will, you know, right, right, right. So mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you, Caleb, I want to get you to stop yawning here because I'm going to, I'm going to, sorry. I'm going to, no, I'm going to increase your interest. Don't worry. Okay. So this year, right, let's, let's jump ahead that. a little bit. Okay. So um, let's jump ahead to 2018, actually. Okay. You mm-hmm. are selected to play for the Nigerian national team. You head back to Nigeria for the first time in 10 years. I'm wondering if someone who's, you, know, you, you say you, you wanted to reconnect with your roots when you went back. And that it had been 10 or so years. So you were 14 the previous time you'd been to Nigeria. What had changed in those 10 years between when you were a 14-year-old kid in Nigeria than when you were 24? And why did you feel the need to reconnect with that part of your life? Uh, well, at 14, you don't know the importance of family. Well, I didn't know the importance um, of family, of knowing where you're from, of all those types of, uh, of things that I later realized how important they are with me, you know? Um, being in Canada, it was only me, my mom, my sister, um, some family, friends, but no actual blood relatives. So uh, for a long time in my life, like I was just kind of secluded to just me, my mom and my sister. Um, and then we went back in as a, at the age of 14 and I really enjoyed my time there. Um, and like I was still young and, uh, and, and innocent and, and, and small and immature and stuff. Uh, but then when I went back at 25, it was, okay, I'm not coming back with just an empty 14-year-old brain anymore. I'm coming back as a fully matured man now, like with understanding of these are the, my people, these are my, my blood relatives. And I'm here to kind of, you know, I'm here for basketball, but also like I need to make sure that I connect with them because, you know, 
uh, this might be the only chance I get for a long time. And um, I'm here doing something that could potentially make them proud. So it's important that I could, I could connect, connect with them. Yeah. You're making, you're making your family proud. You're making your, your mother proud. I'm, I'm sure she's so proud of you uh, right now. And so you, you, you know, you had made a career for yourself by that point. And I want to get to how you built that at the university of Ottawa. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to play a little game of Caleb. got a trivia. And the trivia right. is, is I tell you a date. Yeah. You tell me the significance of that date. What game was played on that? Ooh, date. I'm going to lose this game horribly. I have the worst memory ever. Okay. Well, I've tried to I tried to choose very significant dates, although the first one's a little bit obscure, I, I must say. The first date right. I have for you is January 21st, 2014. January 21st, 2014. So what am I? I'm in I'm in college, obviously. Correct. That's probably my uh 2013 is my first year. 2014 is my second year. January. Hmm. So we're definitely in the OUA playing mm-hmm. somewhere. It's not the championship. It's not championship weekend. Uh, January 21st. What relevant happened? All right. You uh, lost by 24 with, to Carlton. Ooh, okay. If we do that, I definitely erase that out of my mind. Okay. You, you lose the 24. Yeah. Yeah. You lose by 24 to Carlton. And the reason I bring up that date is because of the next date. And I'll just give it away. The next date is March 1st, 2014, the OUA final. But mm-hmm. after January 21st, your, 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 your rival, Carlton, the Cross mm-hmm. City rival, after mm-hmm. you lose by 24 to them, what gives you the sort of audacity to think that you're going to go and win the OUA title and beat them after actually twice being blown out by them in that season? Man, every single year, like my, 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 my five years at Ottawa U were honestly the best five years of my life, to be honest. Like, shout out to Coach Jimmy. And all my play, uh, all my teammates, those five years, um, I had an amazing time. But one thing we did is we was a family and we really believed uh, that we were, we were the best team in the nation every single year. So whether we got lost, lost by 20, 30, 40, whatever, the next opportunity we got, we went in believing that we could we could get it done. And sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't, but we stayed together. And, and that's what I felt. It was always consistent and that we believed in ourselves. Now, is there anything about that? I mean, I imagine you, you remember a lot about that March 1st, uh, 2014 game, the, the OUA title game. Johnny Berhanna Mescal takes 28 shots, scores 30 points. Uh, Terry Thomas scores 17 points for you. But do you remember sort of the, maybe even the pregame, the, the belief you had? or You, know, you mentioned in our first sort of postgame um, scrum after the Honey Badgers game that you're kind of a born leader, you've, you've, or at least become this leader. Can you take us at all to the pregame stuff before that game and what sort of gave you, rallied you guys in order to, in order to win that game? Um, being honest, I can't really tell you the pregame stuff. All I can tell you about, like, that was a very special season. Uh, the group of guys we had was a special group of guys. We were super close and super connected on and off the court. And I feel like that kind of resulted in us winning that, uh, that OUA championship. So just throughout the whole season, we were very, very connected. We were on the same page. And everybody came to do what they, they, they knew they needed for us to win. And, and that's exactly... Uh, what happened. So um, even though I don't vividly remember uh, what what happened uh, prior to the game, I just know the whole season kind of came together for that championship. All right. The next date I have for you is, let me see if I can find it. I just erased it from my spreadsheet, but I'm going to find it right now. I found it. Yes. March 18th, 2019. March 18th, 2019. So 
I'm definitely gone to you. I don't know. March 18, 2019. That's probably 2020. So that's probably, that's probably my second year overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Playing for Malia basketball. And what'd you say, March? Yeah, it is March 18th, 2019. March 18th. Ooh, so I'm playing in my second year. Is that did I have a big game or something? That you had day? a big game. You definitely had a big game. So March, April, May. Um, is that a playoff game? Yep. Ooh, was that when I had like 27 and 13 or something? It was. Yeah. So and that was the game. Yeah, that, that was, was the that, game. That, Can that was, you relive that game for us? Man, that was actually a crazy game. Um, so it was uh, in in that was in the second division, Spain. Um, we were. Uh, in a playoff matchup, I don't even remember who was in. They were, they were, um, no, we were actually in first place. Uh, we were ahead of them. Sorry, we had, we were ranked higher than them. So uh, we had split. Uh, it's a ser- uh, best of five series. We'd split the first two at home. And then they had won uh, the first one at theirs. So they just needed one more win. So we're going to game four down 2-1. And it'd been like a kind of a rough season. I kind of had picked up my momentum towards the end of the season in playoffs. And I just like felt I wasn't ready to go home. I wasn't ready to let the season be over. And I just came and had just like crazy, crazy performance. Um, Something that like myself needed and the team needed. And uh, we forced a game five back at home and went went back and closed the series. So it was one of those performances where like I really was proud of myself. um, And I really owe it to the work I had been putting throughout the whole season. Um, it came and just helped me in the end and, and it, it put us in a really good situation. So it was a really good, really good memory for me. I'm glad to bring up good memories for you. And <laughs> the question I like to ask, like, I mean, you're a scorer more than a shooter, uh, although mm-hmm. you can definitely shoot the ball. But mm-hmm. I've asked a bunch of shooters this. It's it's impossible for like a lay person like me to understand is what does it feel like to be feeling it? Ooh, what? It's honestly like to be feeling it is one of the best feelings on the planet, especially for a basketball player, right? Because it's just like that's just your dream come true, basically. It's like you're shooting and everything is just going in. Like it's just like I like there's no real, real answer to that. Whether no matter the situation, it's like okay, if you're down by 30 and you're making everything you're in a situation where you're getting closer. So you're motivated and it feels good. If you're up by like 20 and you're making everything, you're up by 20 and you're making everything. So like those are good feelings. So just being able to just be putting the ball in the basket on a consistent level is one of the best things ever. And it kind of overtakes whatever situation you're in for the moment, at least because that like good feeling, it just kind of, I don't know. It's just a really, really good feeling. Yeah. And, and you, you know, that was a pressure game for you. That was a pressure season for you. You know, you, you started that second season, not so well. And you, you've mentioned that you were worried that you might get cut from the team. You might have to work yeah. for the nine to five and <laughs> then you turn it up the second half of the, of the season, you, you go to, um, Beresheva, I think the, uh, mm-hmm. is your next, is your next stop, yeah. um, after, after Malia. And, um, you know, you talk about your ability to, to thrive under pressure and, um, you know, I'm, I'm from a Jewish family. I know the pressure from Jewish parents about, uh, mm-hmm. and I know the pressure from Israeli fans that they, mm-hmm. that they put on you. And if, if, if it's mm-hmm. anything like the Jewish parents that I have, that, that a bunch mm-hmm. of us have, 
Um, it can be, it can be a lot, but at yeah. that point you've thrived so much under the pressure, but what is it like to play in front of an Israeli fan base? I've seen how passionate they are. What's the, what's the pressure from, from that side of things? Man. Okay. So first, like as the Israel, I played for Beersheba and the fan base and the organization was the best I've ever had in my entire career. Like the way they took me in, the love that they showed me was like nothing short of just spectacular and i'm so grateful to have been in that situation um they 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 welcomed me with open arms they showed me so much love and um that along with the work ethic i had was probably the reason why i had such a good season in israel um but so aside from them let's talk about the opposition like so when i'm going away and playing again that's that's something completely different that's something that's crazy that's uh some of the most hostile environments that i've definitely ever played for but it just comes from a place of just passion you know where they're so passionate about their team they're so passionate about their players so passionate about their organization that all they want to do is win there's a lot of places like that in europe but uh that was my sorry that was my um that was my uh kind of that was my only experience not my only experience, but my first real experience with like hostile environments and crazy crowds. So yeah, the Israeli fan base is crazy, but the one I played for was nothing but love. Um, and I appreciate it. And listen, you thrived. You led the Israeli league in scoring at about 23 a game, if I'm not mistaken. And that, and you were able to parlay that into your, into the uh, Olympic, you go to the Olympics with uh, team Nigeria and the last I gave it away. I shouldn't have given it away. But the last, the last uh, date I have for you is July tenth, twenty twenty one. What happened on that date? July tenth, twenty twenty. Is that a Team USA game? That's right. Yeah, that's a Team USA game. So uh, yeah, July tenth, twenty twenty one. Special, special day for me. Um, again, a result of just all the hard work I put in, um, and also just timing. You know, um, just just was stayed ready the entire summer knew that uh, what I wanted to accomplish in the summer. Um, and then just got, my jersey got called uh, at, at a time where I knew uh, it would be big for me to perform. And uh, that's exactly what I did. It was a special, special um, situation, special environment, playing with uh, my, my brothers for real, like my people, people who have the same heritage as me. Um, and accomplishing that was something monumental and uh, inspired a whole nation. Um, and uh, we definitely got like our flowers. We got so much support and love all over the world. And uh, it was an extremely special event. And, and I'm grateful that it's something I was a part of in my life and, and um, an accomplishment that I have. And you guys, you know, you guys beat Team USA. It was their first exhibition game of the tournament but clearly they were they weren't ready for you guys i imagine yeah. that was part of like the pre-game speech they're not ready for us like you got fresh Sachua and you got josh akoji yeah. and you got a bunch of nba guys with, with uh, and gabe vincent going by the name gabe namdi if i'm not uh, yeah. if I'm pronouncing it correctly um shows out in that game and um and you know i asked you um all these dates that but I, now i actually have a specific moment in the game that i'd like you to remember 830 mm -hmm. left in the second quarter. Do you remember what you did at that at that moment? 830 left. No, I definitely don't remember what I did. I'm not I, like I said, my memory's not that good. So you might have to just peel this one off for me. I thought you might remember crossing up Jeremy Grant and um and finishing, oh, and, and at finishing the rim. that layup by 830. Yeah, that was I was just in the zone. Like like you said earlier, like what this feeling it feels like is just like that's what it feels like. Like things are just moving in slow motion and everything is just going your way, and it's just perfect. 
And I guess you weren't intimidated. I mean, you're playing the best players in the world. That's never been part of your makeup is like feeling intimidated. But was there any extra, maybe not intimidation, but admiration, respect for for watching those guys even warm up and and getting set for that type of game to play against the best in the world? No, there wasn't really any intimidation. I, like, I, like I said, I know how hard I work. And I realized that all that hard work brought me into that moment right there. So there's no real, like, at the end of the day, they're basketball players. I'm basketball players. They work hard. I work hard. So let's just go and just do the thing that we both love to do and see what the result will be. And the result was a three-point win, and you got all the flowers, like you say, much deserved. Incredible moment. And you had an incredibly busy summer. You play through the Olympics. And then you get a summer league invite with the Denver Nuggets. You play five games, play play very well. I think you average double digit points. Um, but after that, you go to Melbourne for the season with Melbourne United. And one of your teammates is Matthew Delavadova. And I just wanted to ask, he just seemed like the biggest pest nuisance at, when he was in his heyday for Cleveland, sort of trying to guard Steph Curry in those finals, if you remember. What's it like practicing against Matthew Delavadova? Uh, first off, Delhi is just like like a great great human being like just an amazing teammate too like the most positive teammate I've probably ever had like never said anything negative um was completely professional and just like a great great human being even beyond basketball um so uh, practicing with Dali again and know a guy like Dali was very very special and like I'm, I'm glad I got an opportunity to play with him and actually get to know him um but other than that, as a basketball player, defensively, he is unbelievable, you know, um, and he has a lot of heart and he's like he's 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 not scared. He's very fearless. That's why he's in the NBA. Um, I think he's a great basketball player and unbelievable defender and like a neat an unbelievable teammate and even a, a better person. So Delhi is, is definitely that guy for me. And on the subject of working hard, you've always said no one's going to outwork you. But in all of your travels and all these teammates you've played with including nba teammates on nigeria is there someone that comes to mind where you're like holy cow this guy's work ethic is crazy and i need to up my game even if you're playing well at a, at a professional level um no nah, because i'm the type of guy who like i just like i want to be the, the hardest working if, if i find somebody who works harder than me like i'll find a way to just keep working harder um so no nah, i haven't really I've, I've met a bunch of teammates who, who work definitely very 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 hard but when it comes to but that's something that I like I take upon myself especially um as when I'm becoming a professional because I wasn't always like that in college but becoming a professional I know that one of the things that would easily translate to success is being the hardest working person in every situation I'm in so that's what I try to um that's what I try to 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 do every time I'm in a, in a basketball situation so you finish out with Melbourne, you fly over to Hamilton to play for your hometown team. You played a couple of games two seasons ago, I think, with Hamilton. But now you're we'll see what happens. Who knows? You know, it's, everything's fluid when you're, um, you know, a star player. You might get called up, but you're hoping to play a full season with Hamilton. And I just wanted to ask you one more thing about Coach Ryan Schmidt and, and the, sort of the, the recruiting job he might have done to help you come over. Because I've covered him for now five years, four years with the Raptors 905 and one with the Honey Badgers. And the guy, the word that people keep using to describe Coach Schmidt is genuine. Mm-hmm. Something, something real about him. He, like, mm-hmm. Everyone says they want you to, to succeed, but there's something that makes you buy in in terms of what Coach Schmidt says. Does that ring true to you? That genuine? Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred, one hundred, one hundred percent. It just goes, and I've and I've seen so many different coaches playing 
um, all over the world. Coach is definitely genuine. You could tell, like, um, the way he brings everybody together, um, the way he kind of organizes his team, it's all about being togetherness and the personalities and making sure everybody can gel together and create some type of connection throughout the season and even beyond that. So Coach Ryan, is he's that guy, man. Honestly, like, coming into this team, he's made me feel so comfortable and it's been so easy for me to kind of um, transition into this role that he has me in. And uh, I, I definitely, uh, I got his back no matter what. I know he has my back no matter what. Um, and we're going to work together along with our team and the organization to do something very special this year. So Coach Ryan, definitely a genuine guy, but that's my guy too. So grateful for him, grateful to be playing for him. Nice. And one final thought. Obviously, uh, you, you show out in game one in a, in a comfortable win. Game two, you got the game-winning free throws on your hand. You make the first one, miss the second one. After the game, and they, they end up winning the game on their own free throws. Is this, this, is this the type of failure you're excited about? Or how, how long does it take you? You love it. Love it. We got a game in another two days. Time to do what I do. And we'll see. We'll, I, hope I, get, I hope I get in the same situation again next game. And we'll see what the outcome is. That's awesome. Now that, that attitude is something Hamilton fans, they flock towards because of that attitude, also because where you're from and the personality and, and everything you've been through. And, uh, and listen, Caleb, I really appreciate the time you took for us today. And good luck in that game and good luck uh, in the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you so much. Also, can I say one thing? I'm actually doing uh, a bunch of clinics throughout the, throughout the summer, um, just basketball clinics, giving back to the community in Burlington. Um, I have a whole website and then on my Instagram. Uh, all that information is there. So it's just Agata Ball on Instagram and agataball.com uh, for the website. But if anybody listening is interested in, 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 in putting their kids or has any aspiring basketball player children who might want to come and, and learn and have some fun, they should definitely message me on Instagram or visit the website. Okay, we'll definitely do that. And we'll put all that information on the link in the podcast description as well, just to get the message out as clearly as possible. So uh, we'll do that so as well. Much. We appreciate the clinics too. And, uh, and thanks so much, Caleb. All right. Thanks a lot, man.